We have to let the let let Danielle oxygenate a little bit. <laughs> Don't record that. <laughs> I recording right there. No, take that out. Cut. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I would not have known that. Is that related to the pod today? Or are you just saying no, random was- words? It's episode 103 of the EdTech Loop podcast. My name is Larry Burton. She's not just using those scissors to clip coupons. It's Danielle Brostrom. Let's remove the formalities and cut straight to this week's moment of zen. The first time you make something, follow the recipe. Then figure out how to tailor it to your own tastes. We've trimmed all the fat off this week's meat of the show. Cut through the clutter. This is, I'm very excited to to let you kind of just run roughshod over this podcast because (laughs) I don't think we had like six hours. It was like six hours after we recorded our last podcast and you already shot this what? I know this my idea notes. Out, the notes. I'm like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing. So, with that being said, help our help our uh, instructors, <laughs> help our teachers, kind of cut through some of that craziness, that digital craziness. <laughs> so yeah, Larry has these random giant scissors in the podcasting studio, Don't and I judge. look at I look at them every week, and I I wanted to see what they were, and they gave me a great inspiration. So this week's pod, I do want to talk about cutting through the clutter. So different ways, I want to give you some practical tips that you can just cut through some of the stuff you have to do as an educator. So the first one is cutting through the email clutter. We've talked about this a lot before. We've talked about this a lot before. Um, I think Gmail is great to help you cut through the email clutter because there are definitely some tips and tricks that you can use to manage the emails that you got. Um, Friday was a weird day in the district because kids only had a half day and then we had Monday off. So coming in free from the weekend and um, I have hundreds of emails waiting for me in my inbox. And I'm sure that's pretty typical. Um, Not all of them are relevant, but hundreds of emails to go through. So the first thing I think that we can do... See our last episode for tips on (laughs) on that. Right? I know I need to unsubscribe. Um, And the first thing is to increase your productivity by sorting. Um, With my email, what I've done is I have two folders that I use to sort my emails, first of all. And it takes mm, maybe 20 minutes tops to sort those emails, um, delete things that aren't necessary, and sort them into two folders. And I sort them into either action required or waiting for response. And I even color coded the folder. So my action required is green and my waiting for response is yellow. And then everything goes into one of those folders. If it needs a response or if it's something that I have to do, I'll throw it in the action required folder. If it's something that I'm waiting for someone else to do, instead of keeping it in my inbox and just continuing to look at it and see it, no, I'm going to throw it in that waiting for a response folder. Otherwise, I'm deleting it. So that way... my email is categorized. I have that empty inbox and then I can start actually doing some of those things. Otherwise, I find that I just get stuck in this inbox and I'm filtering through the same messages and I'm keeping things in there because somebody else has to do something and it's just easier to get it into those folders, but then actually to attack those folders. And I've been kind of working through this system for the last couple months and it really seems to help my productivity. Um, Again, I'm not getting stuck in those same emails all the time. Uh, I, I have showed it to a couple different teachers so far, and I will say that they forget about it. And then they start going through the inbox again. I'm like, no, you have to sort at the beginning of every single day you sort, and then you spend a time to actually do those things. So habits take a while to it set, really does. Or, or change. I mean, if you have an old habit, it, 
allow yourself a few failures before the new habit sets in. It's interesting. This is very similar. And I know we haven't, we've rolled it out a few times. This is very similar to uh, our blueprints communication protocol. Mm -hmm. The communication protocol is more sender based. The sender is supposed to, to some extent, and it's a work in progress. So um, it's supposed to kind of do a lot of that sorting for you with the act respond. And we're kind of modifying some of these things in the future, but the, that same mindset. So when you do get an, an intradistrict email, it is kind of set up for you already so that if you get an act, it would already go into the action required folder. It's a great idea to help set up the mindset. But again, you have to do the maintenance for sure. at the start. You have to do the sorting. And again, going back to, I'm going to say it again, unsubscribe, get rid of that spam. For sure. But it seems to be helpful. Um, and I put the star before the folder name so that way they go right to the top. It just seems to be helpful for categorizing some of that stuff. And then I have done some other things in my email to help cut through the clutter. Um, I In the settings, I've turned on something called the send and archive button so that when I send a response, I click that button and it instantly puts a copy of that in my archive folder and sends away the message. So instead of having to send the message, delete the email, I just push send and archive and it's gone in one click. That seems to be helpful for me because I'm, I'm taking away a click every single time I send an email. And that's nice. And then I also turned on something called Smart Composed, which gives you predictive writing suggestions as you compose an email. So they try to figure out how I want to end the sentence. It's kind of creepy. It's a little creepy. <laughs> but I for like sure. it. I like it. Remember, though, reread. I Always reread. <laughs> reread. It's going to sometimes predict some things that you don't want to say. It does, but yeah. sometimes it does. And I go, oh, yes, I would like to take that. And just even those couple of seconds. And then I also do like smart reply. Um, I turn that on and it gives me three suggestions for replies. Again, sometimes those are completely not what I want to say. But sometimes even if I can just say, yes, thank you. And then type my response after that. It's just helpful. Um, and then I also use templates a lot. So we have stylus pens that teachers can check out to go with the Chromebooks. And when they check them out, I have a typical email that I send that says, hey, here's how many you've sent out. Keep track of them for inventory purposes. Here's when you send them back. Here's how we recommend storing them. It's just this, this email that I use often. So I've saved it as a template. So now somebody requests a stylus. Instead of looking through my emails and trying to find it or looking through my Google Docs and trying to find that template, I can get it right from my email. I click templates, I click stylus, and boom, that entire email goes in there for me. So again, a, just a time-saving trick to try to help cut through that clutter. Awesome. I do something similar. There's you? a few There's a few of those emails that I, I have. I do it a little bit differently. They have that uh, little sidebar in, in Gmail where you have your calendar yeah, or your right. calendar, your notes and, and tasks. And I save some of those templates in the in my notes nice. so i just click over there bam and throw it on in it's a similar concept probably actually has a mine has probably an extra step um to some extent but similarly there's multiple ways to kind of get at that via google for sure so the second thing i want to talk about is cutting through the grading clutter so how you can streamline that grading process i can't even tell you how many hours i would spend you know bringing home the giant stack of kids essays Bringing them home many days, let's be honest, <laughs> bringing them back and forth because maybe tonight I will work on them. And I know that kids need feedback to come to them a lot faster than I was able to do it. But the hours that I would just spend reading over. So Catlin Tucker, she is a high school English teacher and she's actually a featured speaker from a call this year. Um, I was doing some research on her 
And one of her videos um, live at Fall Q 2019 was a great insight for me because she really talks about these struggles with grading that she has. And she talks that it is time to rethink our workflow. The teacher is doing the lion's share of the work in the classroom. And we know that the person doing the work is who's doing the learning. So we're really robbing our students of that opportunity to learn. So how can we reimagine, reimagine that workflow so that the students are doing the majority of the work? And she talks about this example where, so the student completes the assignment and typically that's when the student turns it in and then I spend hours grading it and marking it up. Well, in her example of a student-led workflow, the student completes the assignment, the student corrects the mechanics using Grammarly before it's done, which is amazing, by the way. I've been using Grammarly lately and I love it. The teacher gives the students an exemplar and a rubric. So the sample essay that's like the best and a rubric on what she's looking for. The student is asked to look at what they did, compare it to the exemplar and assess their own skills using the rubric and then reflect on that learning in a learning log. So in that scenario, the student is doing the major cognitive lifting. They're the ones that are doing the learning. It, I love that idea. And there's research to support giving the students more... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? More, more agency, more, um, more, more empowerment in the classroom. We, we see that in those ISTE standards that we talk about all the time. We see them in the ISTE standards for educators, ISTE standards for students. It's all about having that student-directed learning. So how can you get the kids to do the majority of that heavy lifting for you? I love that reframing, and I don't know why I had never thought about it that way in the classroom. It makes perfect sense. You know, she talks about having the kids next to you. When, if you are actually doing the grading for something, it's going to be a giant time thing, but having the kids next to you and grading it together so that way you're having those educational conversations. We used to do that all the time in writer's workshop, and I would see great growth in my students because we were constantly having those educational discussions as peers instead of, oh, I am the grader. And you're moving you. around the classroom, yes. also creating and developing relationships with your students instead of you know, d doing that time in the classroom where it's like, okay, I do need to get some of this grading done. So I have to have a work on your own mm -hmm. time with the students so that I can sit at my desk and get, get through some of my paperwork. Going back to the conversation we were having before the podcast, that is being useful. The, the students are being useful. The students are, you are cooperating and sharing the, the educational journey with the students and that educational process with the students. You make it sound, and I think it's rightly this way, that the teacher is being selfish. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. They are taking, a, to some extent, the way we have it set up traditionally is taking away educational opportunities from our children by trying to make it. It's a heavy statement there, but yeah, it's. Take shots. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was trying to say, well, that's a duh thing when you actually think about it, because that's, that's a little harsh, but that's a much more useful, efficient, so much more efficient. Uh, way to set up your grading process than the you do the assignment and then I do the work. And I don't know why we haven't. Well, I know why we haven't because it, it's different and it's, it's, different. it's, and it's and a big there's shift. A, there's a level of trust. And I think we, we do. Wor I wonder if we do worry about putting that weight on the students. Well, they're going to fail and that's OK. Yeah. On so many levels, it's setting up the right thought process processes towards learning that we want our students to have. Yeah. In the workforce, I don't submit something and then get a grade on it. I critique my own work and make it better and go through all the grammarly and well, looking at even better you, you, before you, I do you cooperatively like 
work totally. with somebody else, though, whoever you're doing the work for or with, and then evaluate the work that was done as opposed to having the, the red pen yeah. come out. It's double, almost triple the work because not only are you taking that um, editing and reflection piece away from the student, then you have to, after being up till midnight that night, remember what you were thinking when you were doing that editing and bring it back to the student the next day when it's actually then a, a day removed or two days or three days removed from when the student actually did the work and it's no longer relevant. You might even be on a different part of the um, your own curriculum by the time that piece gets back. So that reflection is to some extent not relevant anymore. Yeah, I fully appreciated her ideas in that video. So definitely check out that Catlin Tucker. It's called Catlin Tucker Live at Fall Q 2019. Um, she gives four key shifts on things that you can do in the classroom to help cut through that grading clutter and just make your classroom better for kids. It's really, really worth your time. Awesome. Next. Next. Cut through the distraction clutter. I love this one. So the ISTE Digital Citizenship PLN is doing something called a digital wellness series right now. And um, I mean, technically it started last week, but I think you can jump in anytime because this is great stuff. And what they say is as we enter the new year, we're met with a great opportunity to reflect on our digital wellness and what practices are serving us well and perhaps some things we need to work on letting go. So they're hosting this new year, new you digital wellness kickoff. And it is based upon Manush Zomorati's book, Bored and Brilliant, How Spacing Can Unlock Your Most Productive and Creative Self, which I'm reading right now. And it is phenomenal. And it talks about that with all this digital distraction, we don't have the time to just sit and be bored. And she talks about the link between boredom and creativity. And it is brilliant. There's it's it's grounded in neuroscience and cognitive psychology of mind wandering. It's an amazing book. And the ISI Digit PLN, this bored and brilliant challenge is phenomenal. So what they've done is they took five days. And on the first day, you're supposed to you there's a little podcast, a little eight minute. Uh, audio thing to listen to. And then it like your challenge for day one was to keep your phone in your pocket. Just keep it in your phone in your pocket out of your direct line of sight, keep it in your bag. And then they just say, what did you find helpful about that? And then your second one, take a photo free day. See the world through your eyes, not your screen. Take absolutely no pictures today. And then did you find it difficult? When do you find yourself using the camera? The next one is to delete that app. Think about that one app that you don't want to use anymore delete that time-wasting bad habit app, uninstall it. How did you feel? Blah, blah, blah. Um, Friday's challenge, which I love, you take a vocation. You uh, set up an email auto-replies. If you were out for a real vacation, just tell everyone I'll be back later. Put up your away message on social media. Pretend like you're gone and just see if you notice an impact on your productivity or stress level, your focus or other factors. There's a lot of really, really nice things in here. Um, taking a small observation, going somewhere public and just watching, watch people on their devices, watch how they're interacting. Um, there's so much that I think we're missing that's happening in our day because we've got all these other things that are going on. And I think cutting through the distraction clutter is really essential. I love those. I'm going to kind of throw another one on there. And I think we've talked about this before Please. too. Turn off your notifications. <laughs> yeah. All, like all of them. All of them. All of them. <laughs> yeah. 
become the master of your device. Don't have the device be your master. And uh, yeah, all your notifications. Except for your texts. I turned off all my notifications and then I missed a text and a phone call from my child's school. Leave those ones on. If they make sense to your life. If they make sense to your life. <laughs> I feel like I need to say that. But, um, but I, I've been burned. I've been burned on that a couple of times. There is a way. Um, there was a, a medium article that I had read that had like six or seven um, different techniques to ease the kind of the clutter on your phone or make nice. the make make your phone work for you. I think we've actually had it on one of the podcasts uh, before. There's a way to basically keep do not disturb on all the time, but then you have your favorites that actually come through. Oh, I like that. To do not disturb. So obviously, if you have children, you're going to want your children to be able to communicate with you or maybe the school. But everything else. For sure. Is I'll get there when I get there. Menush also, not only is she coming to McCall 2020 as a keynote, but she has two great podcasts that I'm listening to right now. IRL. So Online Life is Real Life that talks about privacy breaches, fake news, cyberbullying, and talks about how we have the power to change the course of the internet and keeping it ethical, safe, and wonderful for everyone. So I like, like that one. Awesome. But then also note to self. Um, so the they're exploring essential quandaries facing anyone trying to preserve their humanity in the digital age. And the Note to Self podcast that I'm listening to right now is, is about digital minimalism. And it's, it's super interesting because it, sh she does talk about the struggles with just leaving everything completely off. And one of the suggestions from this man that she's talking to is he suggests completely taking your phone back to scratch. This is what you would do in true minimalism. You would take yourself back to scratch and then you would slowly add things back on as you needed them. So that way you can actually look at Instagram and say, do I need this? What am I using it for? Is And actually having that, that thought process, whereas most of us, we just add apps, we add apps, we add apps. Actually looking at the apps and making a value judgment about whether you want that in your life. I think that's a that's a really cool way to look at it without going completely tech free. Spring cleaning. Spring cleaning. I'm just trying to think of spring right now because it's about five <laughs> degrees. <laughs> I know. Okay. So my last one is cutting through the ed tech noise. We talked about this a little last week, but I really think it's worth repeating. Use your experts. Everyone and their brother has a site online that will help your students flourish and that will be the game changer. Oh my gosh, there are millions of them. Use your experts. Ask their advice. They have studied this stuff. They know the research. And if they don't, it's their job to do the digging for you. So if you have an ed tech coach, use them. If you have a technology department, use them. If you have a REMC or an ISD at your disposal, use them. Reach out to them because they have knowledge within this ed tech um, atmosphere that they're willing to share and that they they can help you maneuver it all because there's a lot there awesome anything on that larry nope oh <laughs> okay. i was i was i, I was like, <laughs> are you here no nope, i've was, been talking a lot well, well it was again going back to the conversation we had before um the podcast i was i was kind of thinking about that in relation to the mi middle management oh yeah and there's a difference between somebody that's doing the work, middle management work in between processes and somebody that's there to help you with the process. And the, one of the analogies that I had brought up or that I'd referenced was about a relay race. And during the relay, um, the, the handing off of the baton. 
And for a moment there, I was thinking about, you know, those experts. And I'm like, are they the person that's actually in, you know, handing the baton between the two people? No, but they're, they're running not. with you and holding onto the baton well, even with better, you, right? Even better. No, they're the coach. Oh, they're the, they're the coach. Every, you know, every athlete, teacher being the athlete, yeah. really needs somebody to um, guide them in improvement in their practice. Took me a second to kind of, where, where you lost me there for a second is I was kind of doing the mental gymnastics. A <laughs> I never like bit. it when I look over and you're giving me that look. Like, yeah, no, no, there's, there's no, this is relevant, Larry. <laughs> there we go. Okay. We got there. We, we got, got there. there. Absolutely. Um, tech tool of the week. Tech tool of the week. Um, the ISTE Digital Citizenship PLN, they are also starting this week something called a data savvy project. So they're facilitating a six week slow Twitter chat, one prompt per week for six weeks. And they're unpacking the largely mind boggling topic of data privacy. So they are using the note to self privacy project and they're adding in some challenges to try. Um, and then every week there's a different thing that you need to do or a question that they ask. And um, it's set up very similar to the other one where they have a little 10 minute podcast and then the challenge, the thing that you do for that week and then you reflect on it on Twitter. So um, that is the ISTE Digital Sit PLN, the Data Savvy Project. Uh, tutorials and updates. Um, again, we're coming back into the new semester and the technologist has actually not thrown anything up there in a while. He's so working on some stuff. I, I had a feeling. Uh, so I just wanted to point out we had some great pods last last week, some really good reaction. Um, so check those out. If you haven't uh, caught up on, on the podcast, on the EdTech Loop podcast, please do so. Also, please leave a review um, and some feedback on iTunes. I would really love to hear what you think of the show, any suggestions you have for the show, any topics you'd like us to cover. Um, you know, Danielle right now is looking around the room trying to figure out some something to ins inspire her. And I'm There's seeing a lot of uh, stuff in here, Larry. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> There's some hard hats up there. <laughs> it's coming soon. There we go. I think we've got one. Um, <laughs> How about the t-shirt launcher? There's a t-shirt launcher? There's a t-shirt launcher in here. Yeah, it's right over there. Anyway, so... We're totally using that. Here we go. Um, in closing, before she gets too many ideas, uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TCAPSLOOP. At BrostromDA. Subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Downcast, Overcast, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Leave a review. We love the feedback. Thank you for listening and inspiring. I need to stop. I'm like, does this fit? Does this fit? It fits. I'm awful. <laughs>